This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. Hello, I'm Rona Kunz-Joe. I'm the co-CEO of Fairportal, which is the parent and operating company of CheapWear.com, OneTravel.com, CheapWear.ca, .mx, .co.uk, etc., etc. What I love about travel, I take this very philosophically. Travel is life, or life is travel. It's not just us getting on an airplane, on a train, in a car, move from A to B. Even blood in your veins is travel. Movement, motion, that's what life is all about. And I love to be part of that, to not just in a micro sense, but in a macro sense, go from point A to B to explore. I like the motion of it, the notion of the motion. That's what I like about travel. I'm Alix Arguez. I'm with Amadeus. I'm responsible for the online travel groups in North America. And what I like about travel, I think, is two parts. One, the travel industry itself is ever-changing, so you can never get bored. It's always keeping you on your tippy toes because there's something new hitting you right in the face. So you need to adapt and learn how to deal with it. And then just in general, in terms of travel, I, I'm a big traveler myself for both personal reasons and for business. And I love the ability to experience new things. And that's what travel allows you to do. If you shop for a flight online today, you'll notice a wide range of options available to you. From seat selection to presentation of hotel and rental car options after booking. It seems like the traveler's booking experience has become more and more holistic. Yet there are many opportunities to grow. So what has driven this trend in the last five years? Is it ancillaries in packaging, new distribution capability, or emerging technologies? Coming up, you'll hear from senior travel executives on what makes a shopping cart window holistic, both today and tomorrow. You're listening to Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the travel and hospitality industry. So hi. Hi, how's it going, Elise and Werner? Thanks for coming and hanging out with me today. Glad to be here. It's a yeah. pleasure to be here. Awesome. Well, I thought we would talk a little bit about ancillaries. And maybe you could help me define this, because I think ancillaries in different contexts means a lot of different things to different people. So what would you define ancillaries within a travel booking process to be? When you look at ancillaries, you look at it in two ways. One is, what are you adding on to something that's already existing? So for flights, let's say, for a flight, an ancillary would be the ability to select your seat, or maybe a lounge access, or maybe a pre-purchased meal or something to that mm -hmm. effect. But the first core component would be the flight. And then the ancillary is what you add on top of that. Okay. Yeah, it's sort of an a la carte menu that is presented to you to choose your preference in seats. If you have to pay for a bag, you can do that. You can plan what kinds of bags you're taking along. Maybe it's too expensive. You make your bag a little smaller <laughs> and not have a check bag and just take it as a carry-on. Or if some airlines require a carry-on to be subject to a fee, then you will not travel without the bag, yeah. <laughs> most likely, but it gives you the opportunity to really shape your own product, so to say. So, is is so in the in this context, ancillaries are basically formulated around a, a, 
one piece of inventory that, say, a supplier owns. So like Correct. an airline seat is the start of then a bunch of different attachments to the rest of the... The, the airline ticket. Correct. Got is, it. Right. Yes. Because the seat in itself right. is, is an, an ancillary. Got yes. It. yes. <laughs> That's right. And so You're... in this context, a hotel room is also then a beginning of, of that Correct. Journey. So there's a lot of discussions right now. Hotels have ancillaries, but you can only purchase those ancillaries directly from the property. Right. So the next question is, okay, when is that going to open up so that everyone could sell those ancillaries? We, You saw the airline do it, and now the airlines are making, I don't know how many billions, trillions of dollars off of their ancillaries. It's part, I think it's one of the largest gross market um, sectors in terms of an airline to make money is all those ancillaries. Hmm. So why wouldn't the hotels get into that? You know, cars as well, cars, when you're looking at cars, you know, special equipment you might need to get, that would be considered an ancillary. Do you need a car seat? Do you need ski racks? You know, all those kind of things would be ancillaries for cars as well. So yeah. it's way beyond flights, but flights is, let's say, gotten there first in terms of making it widely available for purchase. And I think the there's a little bit of irony in the, in the entire development of ancillaries. Not so long ago, you bought a full-service airline ticket. That included all of that stuff. Right. Yeah. So, so now, with the unbundling of products, yes, you reserve a space on an aircraft. But which seat you want, bags, meals, entertainment, lounge access, priority boarding, whatever, will be offered by the airlines on an individual basis for you to pick and choose. Mm-hmm. The irony is now that some airlines are starting to bundle them together. <laughs> so now it's almost a little reverse in unbundling an unbundled product to be bundled. <laughs> We're talking fair families there, Werner. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and some and some airlines even are thinking of, okay, I'm bundling priority boarding with a bag and an aisle seat. That's at one price. Right. So what, how does that how's that end shake out for the consumer then? Wouldn't it it would decrease transparency from the at least original fare listings that they're seeing, right? Because you, they would see some bundled, some unbundled, and then you know, well, you can have anything unbundled, right? That won't go away, but you have an option to do some savings or have some savings by saying, okay, I bundle this together, and then the individual price component. Mm. At a small discount, of course, is not disclosed, but it gives you a sense of, oh, if I add this and this and this and this together, it will cost me $80, but if I bundle it, it costs me $60. And then so it's still your choice as a customer. But there's the yeah. other option as well. Like when you look at bags, a lot of airlines have different prices for bags depending on whether you pre-purchase the bag or you pay for the bag at the airport right. so you could save even money there if you're doing the pre-purchasing of it <laughs> yeah but then there's that big that caveat <laughs> right there's that big caveat that you have to be really careful about there are new types of fares that the airlines are putting out that do not allow you to check a bag full stop and i think that that's a problem that consumers are now facing that that's not really clear to them they think, oh, great, I got this really cheap fare, no problem. And they show up at the airport and they're like, they've got their bag and they're like, all I need to do is pay the $25 or the $50 for the first bag. Well, they're in for a rude awakening because the fare that they purchase doesn't allow them to even pay to bring their bag on board. Interesting. So in order to right actually be able to bring your bag on board, you have to go through an entire exchange of your ticket. And as we all know, when you have to exchange a ticket – 
airlines like to charge you a nice little penalty for that. Mm -hmm. And so that comes into play. So buyer beware, make sure you read the small print (laughs) when you're buying your fare because it it becomes a big problem with what we call the basic economy fares. This is a massive undertaking, right? Every airline managing their own bundling, their own packaging of this, how they're managing customer expectations and transparency around things like baggage. I know that Amadeus is now rolled out a bunch of products across managing and servicing for this. How is this affecting both of your businesses? Is it an opportunity for Amadeus to service more? Is it an opportunity for CheapAware or OneTravel or any of Fairportal's brands to be able to uh, provide more service to the customer? How is it like the direct impact to you? Is it is it revenue generating in many ways or is it more of a hassle on the cost structure? Sort of a mixed bag, if you will. Biggest challenge is probably to really convey the message upfront as clear as possible to the mm-hmm. consumer without having to go through so-called small print. Because read the small print is always a little bit of an excuse. Right. How can you show this upfront and it's very clear to the consumer that, hey, I have to pay for a bag. I'm flying on airline A, connecting to airline B. I may have to pay another time a bag while going from point A to point B with an intermediate stop. So that's the biggest challenge, to really convey this in a very crisp, succinct, and clear manner where there is no confusion for the consumer. Because ultimately, consumer-facing, we don't want to create problems. We want to be as clear as possible from the very start. So there are no surprises down the road. Are there revenue opportunities? In some cases, there are, and in some cases, there are not. That's just an added value that we provide for a consumer to have a very informed choice to select from. And I think, you know, you you said it before, it becomes confusing for the consumer, right? They don't know what it is that they're buying. And so I think that that all of this unbundling, bundling, and unbundling, and bundling again has caused in the marketplace. But it's obviously something that, you know, we in Amadeus and obviously, you know, Werner at Fair Portal are trying to solve the problem. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to provide as much information to our customers so that they can represent the information they need to represent to their end consumers. And I think that that's the important part. So we're trying to put it in place so that when you're doing a comparison, you're actually comparing apples to apples and you can actually see the true differentiation from this airline ticket to this airline ticket, because not all airline tickets are created the same, right? And now we know that with the unbundling. So what does your airline ticket contain? What does it consist of? So we're trying to provide all of that information to our customers like Fair Portal so that they can then depict that and the end consumer has that transparency that they need. Hmm. The challenge is really the back end becomes more and more complex, but you want to keep the front end As As simple simple as possible. (laughs) Because the more complicated it gets, and you just convey this on a one-to-one basis, you confuse the customers in a big way, which causes consumer issues and complaints, which we all don't want. So how do you make a highly complex backend as simple as possible for the consumer is, is the challenge that we're facing. 
I mean, something as simple as a bag. If you see the way the different airlines depict a bag, just a bag, you think it's a suitcase, right? A suitcase is a suitcase. No, it is not because some airlines do their free baggage based on number of pieces. Some airlines do it based on weight. So even then, it's all different codes in the background. So to Werner's point, that gets very complicated in terms of what code means, what kind of bag, what what size of bag and all of that. It's just... If the end consumer actually knew what was happening behind the scenes, their heads would blow off. You know, I mean, because it's so complex to buy a bag to bring your bag on board. You know, it's 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 crazy because something as simple as that becomes extremely complicated. And I think Fairportal does an excellent job of simplifying that for the end consumer so they know what they're getting. And they don't have to worry about all that complexity that goes on behind the scenes. Has there been any like impact on like, like servicing, actual servicing? So... If there was something that was um, somehow complicated, say, when they actually get to the gate, have you found any any aspect of that impacting how you're working with your clients or customers? So from an OTA perspective, is there a lot of customer support that has to go into some of these pro- like you know some of these potential problems with unbundling or any of that work? or what does this kind of look like on that end? Yeah, that's a very good and fair question <laughs> to say the least. Because the ancillaries, or you may call it the NDC pipe, that is trying to find a standard, and we've gone through many versions already over the past several years. And that's new versions, new distribution capability for those who are getting familiar. Each airline is individually proposing and promoting their ancillaries and now the industry is trying to find a standard where it's sort of across a large number of airlines. So we've been very focusing on selling the ancillaries, but servicing the ancillaries is something that still needs some improvement. And, And very often, it's not just the airlines or the GDSs or the OTAs. We are all in the same arena altogether. We need to really spend a lot of time and a lot of focus how is an unbundled product serviced selling now is fairly straightforward you pick this 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 put it together this is how much it costs servicing means you change your flight or one of the airlines within your itinerary has a schedule change because they're leaving an hour later or earlier <laughs> so now you have to service that itinerary and it's a complex itinerary and airlines, airline A has a rule for itself, airline B has another rule, airline C has another rule. So now we need to be able to service that to the customer satisfaction. And we're spending a lot of effort and time and manpower, not only on the agent side when people call or contact us, but also on the automation side. How do you automate a very complex change of a complex itinerary is an engineering question that needs to be resolved. But at the same time, an agent on the phone or on the chat needs to be well-versed in all the rules that apply to a specific itinerary where you almost need to upgrade your level and your skill set of an agent. So there's a lot of effort and money going into that to really service the itinerary. And ultimately, it all stands or falls with the service aspect. Selling is something fairly easy, but then servicing is really where the differentiator comes in. 
you know, Werner's talking about it from an agency point of view. And, you know, fairs are complicated in and of themselves. I mean, if anyone ever tries to read fair rules that are out there, it's it's crazy. So imagine the agents trying to understand that and then trying to understand all these new rules that go along with ancillaries. And not even the airlines are really in a position yet, I think, to allow servicing of those ancillaries. I mean, I'll give you an example. I was on a flight one day and I changed to an earlier flight because my meeting was over early. So I paid for a seat on the earlier flight because I'm like, great, let me pay for a seat so I'm I'm comfortable. The airline canceled the flight. So the new flight I was on and I ended up back on the original flight I was on. But they charged me for that seat. Well, that sucks. And they, they canceled the flight. <laughs> it wasn't me. They canceled the flight. So I think there's issues there with the airline. Now, that was a while ago. And, and obviously, airlines have, have improved in the maintenance and the servicing of those ancillaries. But, but it is a lot of hard work for the airline to keep track of everything. Because an ancillary, although it is tied to a ticket, it is actually sold as a standalone. So when a change is done to the ticket, it's not always evident that there was this ancillary tied to it. And so that's where it gets hard to make sure that you're keeping them in sync because, you know, a bag is a, is, is a little bit easier, but a seat is tied to the equipment you're on. So if the plane changes or you're on a different flight now, that seat might have already been sold to somebody else. What do they do with your seat? And, and getting that, you know, refunded is not always the easiest thing. So a lot of times you might just lose it. And, you know, airlines like to say ancillaries are non-refundable, period. But you really can't say that because if the airline is the one canceling your seat or canceling the flight, I'm sorry, how can they say that that's non-refundable? I had nothing to do with, you know. So it's those kind of things that I think are still being worked out in the industry because as Werner said, it's easier now to sell them but to manage them becomes quite complicated, even on the airline side. Even the airlines haven't figured that out yet. So imagine we're at we're at their, you know, at their mercy, basically. So it becomes much more difficult. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about some of the other non-air kind mm-hmm. of ancillaries that you may be looking at as well. But uh, it's it's interesting to think about the air ancillaries. And, you know, at the end of the day, I know that this has been a huge revenue generator for airlines and that, you know, I guess however long this has been unbundled for, what would you say maybe, how long do you think it's been, it's been unbundled? A decade say, or? Well, we, we actually... No, not even that No, long. no. Like, no, I wouldn't yeah, say a decade Seven yet. years? No, no. Yeah. Five? Not a decade three. Yeah. <laughs> maybe... Last year. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I'd say probably about five years where it's become, you know, a little bit more mainstream and even yep, yeah. three where it's become, you know, almost mandatory Standard, that, yeah. you, that you sell on sellers along with the seat. We gotcha. at Fairportal did the first one with, you know, an airline in the U.S. where we had seats. That was six years ago. Yeah. That was really interesting. And that was premier, premier, like, yeah, pioneering times. Yeah. Yeah. Got you. So, it, so, yeah, it's relatively new. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'd be curious if even though it's been a big revenue generator, whether or not the servicing will inevitably increase some other costs and how that weighs out, you know, if it affects LTV, perhaps, you know, I'd be curious if you have any, any data around that or, or kind of thoughts. Um, I mean, that's really more specific to the airlines, to airlines business yeah. model for sure. I'm not sure that they would be ready to share that information, <laughs> to be honest. They're saying, no, it's a payday, don't worry. I mean, I think, I think for the most part, they're making so much revenue off of ancillaries right. that whatever it might cost them in terms of customer care, or something to that extent. Probably it's seems still, minuscule. Yeah, it's minuscule in, in comparison. Yeah. yeah. But, but I think it's good that the airlines make that kind of money mm-hmm. simply because they have means to 
update their equipment, be, you know, more comfortable for the customer, have more fuel-efficient airplanes, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Because when an airline is not making money anymore, they are... Oh, it's, I it's mean, we're, we're, we're in a much better place right now oh, in the yes. travel industry that the airlines are oh, being yes. successful for sure, right? Yeah. Yes. There's more capacity. Even with the whole MAX situation, there's more capacity. People can travel better. That, that basically normally means, you know, lower fares that allows right. people that wouldn't normally be able to travel to travel and get those experiences. So yeah. uh, agreed. It's a good thing for the airlines. Correct. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <You're gonna say laughs> About the non-ancillaries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I mean, mean I the wanna... non-ancillaries are obviously hotels, cars, airport drop-offs, pickups, in-destination excursions, events, whatnot. And I think as we completely move to a mobile platform, which is a device that's a private device, it's not a shared device, even in a family of five, you have five mobile phones. Right, yep. You don't share that. So now we have the ability to be with a traveler to the very end of the trip and have the opportunity to sell non-air ancillaries, post an airline ticket, purchase throughout the entire journey, until departure, up on arrival, at a destination, until the very end of a trip of any customer. So <clears throat> that can greatly vary, particularly, I call it the in-destination merchandising notion, that every destination has its own characteristics, nuances, products, events, excursions. So it becomes far more fragmented to get that content to be able to serve it to consumers. Because almost half of an individual's travel budget is spent in destination. And we can be a good travel chaperone, virtual that is, via the mobile platform. To not only push products, but also pass on relevant information about the destination so that the traveler feels accompanied and not neglected. That gives us a good opportunity to really build a very closer relationship with the customer and getting to know the customer a lot better that we are able the next time around when this customer books to be even more relevant to this customer. I definitely want to hear more about this, but uh, before we dive into it, I am pretty hungry. So <laughs> I saw, Werner, that you have something here. Could you tell me a little bit about it? Well, having been born and raised in Switzerland, I'm a chocoholic <laughs> by default. <laughs> so I felt like to be representative of me to bring some really fine Swiss chocolate. What's the name here? Teuscher. Teuscher. Yeah, that's a small company in Switzerland who is producing their chocolate out of the main street, but it's these are champagne truffles. Oh, and they're really delicious. So, Two of my favorite things, <laughs> champagne and truffles. Hey. <laughs> like, I love it. <laughs> How decadent. But here, you know, it's it sort of is, uh, you know, representative also. I'm always believe in the philosophy of quantity. No, quality <laughs> over quantity. I have to rephrase that. And this is exactly representative of that. Coming up, you'll hear how ancillaries and merchandising open up a whole new aspect of the traveler's journey, from content and inspiration all the way to in-destination. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. 
and find prior episodes at travelisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. I'm eating this chocolate, Werner, and it is probably one of the best chocolates I've ever had. I'm not just saying that. It's it's like literally it feels like there's like a little drop of champagne that's yeah. just in the middle of it. Um, gosh, geez. I'm going to have another one right now. <laughs> but now you have to talk. It's so delicious. I'm sorry. Can we, we're just taking a break. Um, this is my like mid-afternoon champagne, apparently. Yeah. Service to me through chocolate. <laughs> There was something that we were just talking about, which is non-air attachments or ancillaries, but how that really like starts to break out into other aspects of a traveler's journey. You have to start thinking about all other aspects of their experience, not just from when they start looking, but you know why they started looking in the first place. And we kind of sidebarred about that just now. But I'd like to hear a little bit about what that means for your company and like how you're leveraging ancillaries as an opportunity to better know the traveler and, and what that looks like. One of the things that we look at as a GDS, or as we call ourselves now, a technology partner, what we do is we really try and focus on what value we can bring, not only to our customers, but to our customers' customers. And in doing so, we want to make available the content that they might need. So a lot of journeys start with flights. Mm -hmm. The research might not, which is interestingly enough, but the booking does. Mm -hmm. So the booking starts with flight. What can you add to that? Well, you know, easily enough, you know, Well, if they're flying somewhere, they normally have to stay somewhere. Mm -hmm. So hotels is an easy cross-sell opportunity when you've got flights. And then cars as well is, is depending on the destination, of course, you know, if you're coming to New York City, you're probably not going to rent a car. But other places, uh, you know, renting a car might be critical. So then you have that cross-sell opportunity as well. So cross-sell or ancillary, like, is that, you were mentioning this to me, like, that's really kind of different, right? Those relationships? Yeah, I think when you think of an ancillary, it's like I said before, an ancillary is something that's added to a core component, right? So you've got a flight, you add an ancillary to that flight, be it a seat, a selection or a meal. For hotel, you've got the hotel room and an ancillary might be free Wi-Fi or something to that extent. Or So it's really something that's added to a core component where cross-sell is when you're adding additional core components to the travel. So you, you start with flight, you might want to cross-sell to hotel or you start with hotel, you might want to cross-sell to car. Uh, you know, where you start doesn't really matter. It's just the ability to be able to offer a richer overall journey to the customer. Yeah, might add to that also on the on the ground transportation level, when you think of Europe, for instance, you're flying from Paris to London, for instance, you're probably much quicker taking the train, taking the train, right? So how can we offer that as an mm-hmm. alternative? And you know, particularly in in the perception of climate change and all that stuff you have like fly shaming or shame flying or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah. they call it? Yeah, flight shaming. Uh, flight shaming. Yeah. <laughs> so people are not flying on certain routes, but they take the train or they may even drive to a certain degree. So how can we weave that in? This example, she would take a sailboat. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a li- yeah. It's she a lot. wants to make a statement here, you know. <laughs> but... There are a lot of, of, of O&D, so to speak, that can be serviced by rail. And I think for us to add that as an alternative is very important. Europe is one market, the Far East too, Japan, China. They have very sophisticated rail systems, which can serve as an alternative to flight or at least one leg. You're flying the other leg, you're, you're taking the train. So that's important. And 
do you want to call this an ancillary, a non-ancillary? It's probably an alternative to flying. But in essence, it might be a non-air ancillary <clears throat> from a ground transportation perspective. Then if you go to a point of departure, be it a rail station or an airport, how do you get there? Most likely a car in many instances, unless there is a very sophisticated public transportation system where you just hop on another train or a bus or whatever it may be. But in most cases, it's a car. So how can we make it easier for the consumer to have that airport drop-off and then a pickup at the destination with a one-click checkout? It's got to be so simple that... You don't have to get in greater details. I'll pick you up at 4 o'clock, drop you off at 6 o'clock for your flight to XYZ. Click mm -hmm. here to order the ground transportation. So now when a customer is pretty much planning a trip, be it first of all a flight, then maybe a hotel, then maybe transportation to the airport, the customer has very distinctly a budget in his on her head and navigates more or less around that budget figure, whatever it may be. The moment that customer or that traveler leaves home, budget is out the window. <laughs> There's no more budget. No budget. Budget. Yeah. Budget's gone. Right. So a whole different buying behavior starts to kick in. They arrive at the destination the third day. Oh, what do you do? Oh, let's take this excursion. Oh, it's $500. Oh, it's very expensive. Oh, come on. We're only here once. We're not doing this every day. Might as well enjoy it. So there is a very spontaneous and intuitive buying behavior that's counter to what they had when right. they planned their trip. <laughs> it's so how can we tap into that by helping them to make it as easy as it possibly can be? It's interesting to think, though, isn't that almost like a very different business to be in, right? Like getting the attention of somebody in destination, it's such a different capacity, right? Like there's a whole different user acquisition strategy to remind somebody even to think of you as an option for when searching for things in destination. I, as many travel startups as I see all the time, still when I get somewhere on a trip, I'm like, wow, what, how do I look for stuff again? And it's, you know, I could go through every single app that I've downloaded and be like, I think this one will do what I want. And it's just a completely different take on what the destination. There's just so much content so out much. there. So it's really hard, especially when you're in destination, because, you know, with airlines, it's quite simple, right? You only have X number of airlines that are going to get you from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. So you know where you need to shop for that, right? right. But when you get to in-destination content, it's, you know, every mom and pop can open up their own in-destination tour mm -hmm. business or something to that effect where they just walk around the streets. So gathering that content and then making it available for sale in a way that is easy and makes sense is is very, very difficult. I mean, you know, a lot of companies have tried and some of them are doing a pretty good job with it in terms of simplifying it. But it is very, very difficult. It's an area that Amadeus has looked at in terms of offering like those day tours and activities. Uh, but honestly, one we've stayed away from just simply because to aggregate that content, it's it's a monster. And right. we don't feel comfortable that the technology is ready to be able to ensure that the proper inventory is going to be there. We would hate to sell, you know, a tour and then the customer shows up there and there's nothing there or yeah. something to that effect. And because a lot of these in-destination operators may be very, very small, they might be there today and gone tomorrow. So it's something that, you know, you have to be very, very cautious of. But 
Absolutely, I think the end destination is becoming a critical component of the overall trip and the overall offering. I mean, Fair Portal, for instance, you, you guys use the term travel concierge a lot. Right. And I think it's an excellent term, right? Because I'm not just a booking engine you're going to buy a flight from, right? I'm actually going to take care of you. I'm going to be your concierge Correct. throughout your journey. So I think that that <laughs> nomicra that you guys use is an excellent way to depict how you're going to work with the traveler throughout that journey. And so it's really about changing the conversation with that consumer when they're first booking to not just leave your site and be done with you. Correct. And so it just uh, it'd be interested to think about that booking path and maybe how leveraging these attachments, these ancillaries, is an opportunity to stick to them. And so do you have to own the servicing then or? What's really interesting about it as well is the dynamics of how people buy travel, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, I... I I can't remember the exact numbers, but let's say they'll buy their flight three months before they travel. Well, they might not get their hotel until one month before. And if they're going to rent a car, it might only be a week before. So this is why it's so important that they don't think that you don't think that you just do a booking and leave, right? Because there's still a lot of opportunities with the end consumer there. So how can you keep them engaged with you throughout that entire buying process? And then even afterwards, because a repeat customer is the ultimate goal. Right. So right. you want to make sure that you keep them happy throughout the entire span of the journey, including their return, so that the next time they go to plan travel, they know exactly where to go to do that. Hmm. Yeah, customer engagement is key. And you can never drop the ball with customer engagement because that is essential to really better know the customer. When are they booking a hotel? When are they booking ground transportation to an airport? Relevancy is key to really serve the right information at the right time to a consumer that is on its way to a destination. So, and again, the mobile platform is a perfect yeah. vehicle to push this very gently, not a pushy sales type of engagement, provide useful destination information. Mm -hmm. To begin with, just to give you an example, I'm flying to Los Angeles from New York. Okay? So a day before I'm being pinged, you know, you're, you're flying out of Newark at 6 p.m. in the evening. How about Grand Transportation to the airport? $50. Click here. We'll drop you off in due time. Done. And by the way, it's raining in L.A. Why don't you bring a brawly along? And we can also have someone pick you up up on your arrival and take you to wherever destination you may want to travel. So now that's useful information where then a consumer starts to think, oh, ease of use. It's so easy to do. I don't have to worry about, you know, landing at an airport and struggling for a ground transportation to my final destination. And then I have to arrange, oh, who is picking me up where? And I'm wearing a yellow sweater and I have a blue <laughs> suitcase and all that stuff. No, make it very easy and user-friendly, not only from a booking perspective, but also from a execution perspective once a customer is in a destination. I think the technology is getting there. Like there's yeah. examples now of people trying to consolidate, not consolidate, but basically channel manage 
different new providers in the tours and activity space. So like mm-hmm. a get, you can like turn on inventory from get your guide or Kluke oh, yeah, or something absolutely. like that. Yep. And I think that that will allow for a lot more leverage and, and quality control from a perspective of any booking engine or, you know, booking intent phase of the consumer journey. I think absolutely it's going to get there. I don't know if it's there yet, it's super but close. yeah, it, 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 it's, <laughs> like right you there. know, if you look at how it was like, I was going to say five years ago, but forget it, maybe two years ago to where it is today. The advancements that they've made in the whole tour in destination inventory has been amazing, right? The ease of selling it in the past, you know, if you bought it from someplace, you'd have a voucher and you better show up with your voucher or you weren't going to get to go on the tour you wanted to go on and all that stuff. All of that is, as Werner said, the mobile has changed so much of that, right? Because you're always going to have your mobile device with you. You know, we're, we're all attached to it. So if you're able to do everything via the mobile device, it's going to make your life so much easier. And so a lot of that has helped in terms of expanding the capabilities for sure. But even some data that's available now in terms of how buyer behavior has changed mm-hmm. and, you know, say you book your flight, but then like you said, two months later, you're booking yep. your hotel. You know, if there's predictive analytics to say this is how your hotel is going to change and you get that that you should Absolutely. be pinged for those notifications from a flight perspective when you're booking your flight, then you've got two months of being able to sell them anything, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that would be valuable to their trip, of course. But there's there's more context to be able to personalize what they're going to be experiencing. I mean, there's just so many little pockets of opportunity that are starting to pop up around this. You know, the travel industry is just so full of data now. Yeah. The problem is getting access to the right data and knowing how to use it, right? right. That's Leveraging the biggest it. problem because, I mean, there's so many sources out there. I mean, if you look even just at Amadeus, the data lake that we have is... It's Ridiculous. You know, there's a saying, we haven't been able to prove this yet, but we feel pretty confident in it, that Amadeus touches 90% of the travel worldwide one way or another, right? Imagine that 90% of all travel, whether it's you're booking that travel through one of our customers like Fair Portal, or you're on a plane, an Altea carrier, which we actually, you know, manage that, that airline, or you're staying at a hotel that we do all the property management systems for, or you're flying through an airport that we manage. Think about it. 90% of all travel is touched by Amadeus. That's huge. But now consider the data that comes behind that. I mean, it's just... It's, it's, it's mind boggling. So how do you get the important pieces of information out of all of that to be able to service your customer the way you need to service your customer, you know? And that's the difficulty is great. We've got all this data. Now what? You know, right. it's like the term big data was called big data for a reason, right? So it's really trying to get to the specifics of the information you need to be able to service the customer, which is the difficulty then. In data, we believe. In God, we trust. <laughs> Is that just like plastered all over Fair Portal's right now? <laughs> no, but what I'm trying to say is we need to take it a notch up. <laughs> yeah. Because big data is just a big word. How is data used in a meaningful way that it really benefits the consumer is really where the challenge lies. But without mentioning a brand name, an experience I made when I booked a trip to Europe and this particular company offered me a boat trip as a non-air ancillary. And I just got a QR code and I went to the boat, showed them the QR code I was on. It's great. That That's how simple it has to be. Right. Completely agree. More, more on the data side or the, the tactical piece of this is, you know, what are the best performing ancillaries for you right now? Is it, does it, is it all in the air attachments? Is it in like the, the non-air? I think that 
probably varies company to company, but like what is resonating the most with your customers right now? So we look at the overall package and we call it merchandising, right? right? So when we look at merchandising, the number one attack, it's interesting because it's different from the U.S. to Europe. In the U.S., the number one attachment is seats. Mm, okay. In Europe, and actually I should say in Europe and rest of world, it's actually bags. Hmm. And I think it's just personally as an American, I think it's just we prefer our comfort than worry about our bags, right? So we <laughs> want a comfy seat. But it is interesting that there is that change. But when you look at the overall merchandising, we talked about fair families and the bundling and bundling and bundling again. Fair families, the upsell capabilities with fair families. So when you might buy that basic economy fair I mentioned before and you have a side-by-side comparison to it and say, hey, for $40 more, you get to select your own seed and blah, 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 blah. That has been extremely successful in terms of an uptake or an adoption of that upsell capabilities. So it's a little bit, you know, mixed between the upsell on the merchandising or the fair families themselves or specific ancillaries. But for sure in the U.S., it's seats all the way. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's seats and then bags. And in Europe, it's more bags. That's correct. Oh, we got consensus. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a question for you. Oh, hit me. You as a consumer, what is it that you're looking for? Mm. Well, where, what would you sort of like to see where you feel like, hmm, this is great. I mean, I can't refuse this. I almost got to have it. From the ancillary yeah. perspective? Yeah. It's a great question. Something that I wish I could see anything in the world or like something that's kind of available now but I'd like to see in my booking path. Go for both. Both. Okay, great. <laughs> I, I mean, I'd love to just teleport where I'm supposed to be going. <laughs> if I'm being perfectly honest. Beat me up, Scotty, yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think I would like the, the path to be something that follows me where I want it to go. So where, you know, sometimes I'd, I'd like to do the research ahead of time and then like do everything at once. And sometimes that's, that's actually more like my girlfriend's preference. And then I like my preference where I'm like, I'm going to deal with that later. And I'm going to come back to it. Like you said, you know, hotel will do Airbnb or something, whatever it is. But I would love for the journey to, to be able to push me to where the thing I was inevitably looking for, or like help me identify what I was looking for. So if I was able to tell them, like, I don't like any of these options for upsell from the hotel perspective, I'm looking for a boutique that could be in this part of town at a rate around here. And then I could have it tell me when that's available, that would be perfect. Because then it, it follows me with what I inevitably know I was kind of looking for and personalized based on what I was hoping to do in that place. So I think like points of interest is a big component of that, where if I was planning on going, I'm going to Puerto Rico in two weeks, right? And I really want to go to El Yunque and I want to go at one point during that trip and I'm staying on the other side of the island. It'd be great if it told me about things that I could do on that side of the island around that time. So I think like some flexibility around those pieces and 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 catering and personalizing it in that context. But not like trying to push it to me in this like kind of mass of fair rules, just one thing that's kind of like, I know what you're looking for. You know, I know you like hiking, you're gonna do this. You know what I mean? That's I think would be an amazing experience. So would you book this all on your mobile device? I book a lot on desktop myself because I found that those experiences have historically just always been better. But I would do it on mobile if it was simple enough. Absolutely. Oh. I feel like I have to use desktop to feel like I've like completed the purchase in a weird way. Um, and I think that's probably just because of the 
existing experience, feeling like I'm complete and confirmed and like everything with the existing booking path. And when the servicing aspect will kick in, how would you go about it if there is a change of any sort? Servicing, so in like how it is now or in that ideal scenario that I'm talking about? How you would like to see it, you know? Yeah, I mean, definitely as soon as possible to know these things. But I think ideally it gives me my options and I don't have to call some agent to figure out what my options are. That part I think could be definitely automated. It's like, oh, we had a cancellation. Like these are your three options that are within the bounds of what we think would be best. Would you like further options? Call here. But I think for the most part, anytime I've had like a cancellation, I've had, it feels like it's all my responsibility and I'm just holding the bag as a customer. So ideally it would be something that's more like we've got you covered. There's other options. Don't worry. You're getting where you're going. And I think that would probably be how I'd like to be handled. So you would much rather prefer a proactive approach from the service provider than you. Yeah, I think so. Taking the Maybe initiative. I'm just lazy. <laughs> no, I, I mean, listen, I, I think I think it's a given. I was flying back from Singapore the other day and I my flight out of Singapore was quite delayed. So I was going to miss my connection. And I kid you not, this was just absolutely amazing. So I need to mention, I need to give credit to Japan Airlines. This flight attendant came up to me mid-flight to say, Ms. Arguez, we're very sorry, but you've missed your connection or you're going to miss your connection. But not to worry, we've already put you on another flight and you'll get all that information as soon as you exit the airplane. Hmm. The relief that came with that, just saying, thank God I'm not going to be stuck in Tokyo forever. You know, yeah. you know that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it was like, yeah. wow, that kind of service. I think that is what everyone would want to have yeah. is to just be able to say, okay, someone's caring for me. Someone's taking care of me. Someone's already, you know, anticipated what my next action would have been anyhow. Did you book direct on Japan Airlines for that? I'm sorry. I'm I'm a corporate traveler. Right. So I yeah. I was going to say. I would assume. No, <laughs> but no, I did not. I booked I through, I booked through a travel. It's a corporate booking tool. So yeah. The reason I asked that is that for Japan Airlines to be like we're responsible for this thing and take the ownership of it is, it is I think yeah. part of the question in terms of how the intermediary market works and mm-hmm. generally who's like I'm responsible. No, I'm not responsible. Mm-hmm. I'm not responsible for that. And then inevitably, you know, who's going to be like, don't worry, we got you. This is what's going on. Yeah. I mean, that's in an ideal world, if the airline causes you to misconnect the airline, you know, in theory, should be taking care of you. But I think more and more what's happening is that the airline isn't really worried about when you're actually going to get home. They'll they'll put you on a flight. But where where the travel concierge comes into play is that they're looking at saying, okay, how quickly can I get you home? And what are the best options to get you home? Where the airline is just going to say, I'm going to put you on a flight. Mm -hmm. In my case, thankfully, it was I was well taken care of by Japan Airlines, and I appreciate that. But, you know, that's not always the case. I've misconnected in other places, which I do not have the same experience. So I, I think, you know, to have the travel concierge there to help you along the journey. And even as you said, perhaps send you a notification saying, notice your flight's delayed. You're going to miss your connection. Here are some options that, you know, you can book. Tell us which one you want and we'll rebook you immediately. Right. Again, it's that alleviation of worry that you don't have to worry about when I'm getting to a destination, I'm going to get stuck. Right. I think the one-on-one of customer services never pass on the buck to the customer. Yes. Yeah. Always be proactive and resolve the problem ahead of the customer getting upset. Mm -hmm. That's like surprise and delight without them even knowing. exactly. Surprise and delight, yep. Let's just take a quick break and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about Werner and Alix's, you know, who you are behind the scenes, you know. 
Hi, my name's Rebecca Fitz. I'm from Warby Parker. Hi, I'm Chris Hansen from Ignition One. We are hosts of Retail is Your Business. Retail is Your Business is a weekly podcast covering the intersection of innovation, technology, and business strategy in the world of retail, online and offline, across all industries, with a focus on consumer experience. We deep dive with insiders from industry leaders to cutting edge startup founders. Crucial insights, career journeys, trends, new ideas, and the state and trajectory of the retail industry become accessible with a fun and comfortable morning radio vibe. Listen to Retail is Your Business every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Because retail is your business. Let's talk a little bit more about you. You know, both of you travel quite a bit extensively, right? When you go to other places that are not your hometowns, how do you make sure that you stay you in that destination? Ladies first. Thanks. (laughs) That was a very sarcastic thanks in case anyone missed it. Uh, No, I, I mean, honestly... I know a lot of people travel to immerse themselves in the places. That's not necessarily why I travel. I want to learn about the places. I don't necessarily want to immerse myself in that place. So I think that for me, it's not difficult to stay me, right? Because I'm not trying to immerse myself. I'm not trying to become, you know, a citizen of that country. What I'm trying to do is learn about that country because I'm very interested in all the differences in the world, right? So obviously I'm there to enjoy myself. And, you know, when I travel for pleasure, at least <laughs> I'm there to enjoy myself. But I really want to more learn about the location and 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 the people than immerse myself in it. I, I, I'm not pretentious enough to think that I, I could be every nationality just because I go and visit them for, you know, three days. So it's more for me to learn about those locations. So it's never hard for me to stay me. Is there something that you bring always on your trips that, like, you never leave the house without? <laughs> I, I know that's a secondary question, yes. but I'm curious if that's, like, yes. a part of this, you um, know? My boyfriend laughs at me all the time. I have a, a little, like, my baby pillow, actually. Oh, yeah? That I travel with everywhere I go. It's in the hotel. I'm always very careful. I wake up in the morning. I remove the baby pillow from the bed. I put it away so that they can't take it from me. But I do. I, I have a hard time sleeping without it. So I take that with me everywhere I go just so that it's, like, a little piece of home that stays with me and allows me to sleep better at any hotel. Cool. Awesome. So honing in on that question. <laughs> All right. Other than the mobile phone, yeah. I don't have anything else <laughs> that I take along that, that I take along that I have at home as well. But going to different destinations and be exposed to different cultures, I like to be influenced to certain new aspects of being thinking, being the, the visual aspect of a destination, the culinary aspect of a destination, the music aspect of a other destination. But what I always do to be to stay myself because I'm a classical musician by trade. What do you play? I, I think play I know the this. piano and the organ. Yes, I did know this. <laughs> I always book a ticket in the opera. Wherever I go, wherever it's possible, on a symphony orchestra. Terrific concert. Oh, cool. So that's what I always... And you see a lot of differences because it's the same type of music that I hear here in New York may sound quite different in other parts of the world. Now I have a follow-up question. So of all of those events that you've gone to to the places, which is the one that surprised you the most? Surprised me. So whether it be a symphony orchestra or an opera, like what surprised you the most? Like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. 
In what location, I should say? That was actually in Argentina, in, in Buenos Aires, in the uh, Teatro Colón, when I saw Rigoletto. I've never seen Rigoletto perform in such a manner where it really got under my skin, wow. like nothing else. I felt it was real what happened uh -huh. on the stage. Very often I feel, um, good performance. Mm -hmm. But when it really gets under your skin, you get watery eyes mm -hmm. and you get goosebumps. That's where the difference is. I've got is. goosebumps now listening to you talk yeah, about it. That's I'm very cool. That's very cool. <laughs> Thank you again, guys, for this. This was a great conversation. Is, is there a final thought that you'd want to share to somebody who would be listening to us? It could be a reflection on what we talked about today. It could be a reflection on your, your sentiments towards the industry overall. You know, just something you know, to sum it all up. I would just say that ancillaries is, is something that you have to deal with. I mean, it's not something that's going to go away anytime soon. And if you want to be able to continue to sell travel, I think ancillaries is something that you just have to do. It allows you to have a better partnership with the vendors that you're selling and really allows you to better service your customers by being the one-stop shop. So I think... If you're going to go into travel, remember that ancillaries is here to stay and, and, and you better get on that boat or, or you will be left behind. Yeah, I think to really better understand the customer is important and any feedback we can get from anyone at any time about anything is very valuable because we are all emotional beings and we react to certain things differently. So there is not one size fits all. So it's a very individual platform that we are trying to service. And in the environment we're in, I think we also need to think, you know, how do we travel environmentally conscious what do we do about that i don't think anybody has that answer yet but i think people need to start to think about it what impact they can make in any which way but i think we are on a fact-finding mission particularly when it comes to tourism in general what is it that we can do better to be more environmentally conscious Wonderful. Well, thank you again. Is there a way that somebody listening to this could get in touch with you or the work that you're doing? I'm fairly straightforward. I think on Twitter and LinkedIn, it's both Alix Arguelles. Now, the spelling might be a little difficult, so but it's A-L-I-X-A-R-G-U-E-L-L-E-S. Now spell it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. No. <laughs> no LinkedIn. No well, problem. Thank you again about this was this was really fun. I appreciate it. Thank awesome. you. Thank you. For making it possible. Yep. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back soon with another show. Until then, my name's John Matson. Fun voyage. This has been Travel is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2019. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at travelisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, your inside voice.